0: I'd be turning to 1 Timothy, if you would. I forgot to mention, I was praying, uh, Jason Westbrook, he uh, called as I was on my way here tonight, and he appreciates the prayers of the folks, and asked ask you to keep praying for him, and he got his um, jaws unwired yesterday, and had another procedure, or two days ago, had another procedure yesterday, I think, but keep praying for him. First Timothy chapter one. Timothy, as you probably will know, is very special to the Apostle Paul. Paul is writing this epistle, the first of two letters, two epistles he wrote to him, this is two letters often called pastoral epistles, because Timothy was a pastor. He traveled with Paul, Paul. Uh, Timothy joined Paul's journey. The first missionary journey is, I mean, the second missionary journey, and traveled with him. And that was after Paul and Barnabas had split up. Paul and Silas were traveling through that region of uh, Derby and um, picked up Timothy, and Timothy began to travel with him. But in this, in this portion of scripture we're going to look at tonight, uh, Paul asked Timothy, actually assigned Timothy to stay in Ephesus because of some concerns he had about the church in Ephesus. And so we're going to read about that uh, this evening. And let's, if you're able to stand, let's stand together for the reading of the scripture. First Timothy chapter one, verse one, Paul An apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. You know, Paul was just a man, but he was unlike almost any other man in that God not only called him, but called him in such a unique way on the road to Damascus, going to um, capture... Condemn uh, believers, followers of Christ, and not only to get saved, but the Lord called him as an apostle. And most of our New Testament are supernaturally inspired words that were given to Paul. I'm just, I'm just saying, Paul. It's not just a preacher. He was a preacher, and he didn't think of himself as being any above anybody else. But when, but. God used him in a great way to give us the word of God. So he's writing to Timothy in verse two, and it says, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, stay at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And that'll be a part of what we'll focus on tonight. Neither, the sentence continues into verse 4, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do... Do what? Do what I I just commanded you to do. Charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, so do. Verse 5, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved, from God's word, having swerved, turned up, turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, That the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for man-slayers, for whoremongers. This is who the law is for. For them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars for perjured persons and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to our trust. So we're going to just look at this, this uh, admonition here, this uh, charge that Paul gave to Timothy in verse 3 that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And let's pray as we get into it. Father, please bless our study tonight. Thank you for the inspired Word of God. Thank you that we have the privilege to open it up, to study it. We ask you, Lord, to open our eyes. We pray the Spirit of God would be our teacher. We ask you, Lord, that you would help our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us. We pray that we could be disciplined in our listening and not be distracted. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, work in our hearts as only you can. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, our theme uh, for this year, uh, this 2020 year, we had the whole year planned out. All this thing is a part of our plan, by the way. The shutdowns, you know, all that's a part of our plan. But our theme is stand. And I intended when we... When we plan that to do the teaching I'm doing on Sunday night about the doctrines and covering major doctrines in the Bible, like we like we covered this past Sunday, we'll continue to do that and have been doing that for months. But this message sort of fits into that theme because it just really, I think, shines a light on something that's so important and yet so basic and so simple. And that is just just look at what. As we begin, look in verse 3 where Paul told Timothy to stay at Ephesus when, and he's going to go to Macedonia. When I went into Macedonia, that's two different entire regions. Ephesus is in Asia. Macedonia is over near where Greece is now. And here was his charge that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now when we say, when he says in verse three abide in Ephesus. we know he's talking about that the, go to the church there in Ephesus we have we know is we probably know as much about the church at Ephesus as we do new you need New Testament church we know a lot about the churches the church at Thessalonica we know how Paul went to Thessalonica there in Macedonia the letters he wrote we have some understanding about that some churches we know less about we know a lot about the church at Ephesus we we read about it in the book of Acts we read about it we see it mentioned here we said the book of Ephesians. And we have a message to the, uh, in Revelation chapter, three, uh, two, chapter 2 to the church at Ephesus. So we know a lot about this church. So what is Paul's concern here? He was concerned enough that he left his right-hand man in Ephesus while he traveled. What was his concern? To charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, Paul... Paul's pretty narrow about this thing of doctrine. Wouldn't you agree with that? Amen. Teach no other doctrine. You Anybody who teaches has to stay true to the doctrine that's been given to them. Now, we we hear that. We, we understand that. I think we understand the importance of that. But we, we live in a world where... Um, People say it doesn't really matter. You know, you you go to if you were to take off and just drive down the road and sit in one church this Wednesday night, and the next church Sunday morning, the next one Sunday night, the next one Wednesday night, and the next one, you you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear a whole lot of different stuff. Would you agree with that? Now you don't have to you don't have to try every one of them. Just take my word for it. You're going to hear a lot of different stuff, and I find that fascinating. That Paul established this this firm directive and says, don't let anybody teach anything other than this. So, so from that, we can draw this conclusion that the Lord's churches ha- should be committed to sound doctrine. The doctrine of, of Christ, the doctrine of the apostles. and That's, that's what he was talking about. Now, Paul, Paul was a real stickler about this. And you and I may not feel quite as strong as Paul did about it, and maybe we do, but, but understand, if, I, if I'm differing with Paul on this, he's the one that's right. Amen. Wouldn't you agree with that? Amen. He was a stickler. A stickler is a person who is, insists on a certain thing. They insist on it. It's like if you were working, somebody, working for somebody and they said, this is the way I want you to do it. Don't do it any other way. You may think it's a better way, you may think it's a quicker way, you may think it's an easier way, but you do it this way. You ever know anybody like that? A stickler. Paul was a stickler when it came to doctrine. And I want to look at some other examples, that we're going to come back to this passage, because I find this, again, I, I, I find it very encouraging, really. Let's go, let's, we're in 1 Timothy, let's look at an example of it here, and there's actually more than one example in 1 Timothy, but look in chapter 6. Uh Chapter 6, at the end of verse 2, he says, these things teach and exhort. And I just want to get to the point of kind of a second witness to what we're talking about tonight. Then in verse 3, it says, "If if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words. Those words wholesome have to do with healthy, spiritually healthy. Things that benefit. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, there he mentions that word doctrine again. If anybody does otherwise, verse 4 says, he is proud, knowing nothing. (laughs) He's an empty head, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. Whereof, this kind of teaching, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. Paul had a way with words, didn't he? And destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Now we're not going to go by that word by word, but there's some powerful things about who? Verse three, if any man teach otherwise. The point being Paul wanted it to be taught the right way. It matters. Um, go to, go to uh, 1 Corinthians if you would, back to the left and we were in 1 Corinthians 16 a few weeks ago And talked about how Paul was consistent in what he did in the other churches. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look there first. Now I just want to point this out and just think about it. And think about it in in your own mind. uh, How this pertains to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse... 17, he says, for this cause, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, there's the same fellow, Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. Now, when I, if, I, if that sentence stopped right there, I would think, well, he he reminds us of, of Paul by his ways, his mannerisms, you know, his personality, different things. He will bring you into remembrance of my ways, but he wasn't just talking about his opinions and personality. He was talking about the scripture. Because look at the, next, the last part of verse 17. As I teach everywhere in every church, everywhere Paul went, every church he visited, he taught the same thing. And you know what? He says, Timothy is going to teach you exactly what I taught in every place and in every church. Go to the right a little bit from 1 Corinthians to chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to stay in 1 Corinthians for a few more looks. 1 Corinthians 7. Here he's been talking about uh, marriage and single life and things like that in 1 Corinthians 7. But look in verse 17. But as God hath distributed to every man... As the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all the churches. Just another example of this. Go to the right, to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 16. Here he's about to teach about the Lord's Supper, and um, he says in verse 16 But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. None of the churches have this custom. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God, you're going to find that you're going to, you, every church ought to experience the peace that every other church experiences. And then if you go to the right, uh, two chapters, to chapter 16, this was where we were that Sunday morning talking about missions giving, faith promise giving. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now, again, that's to me, that's pretty convincing. It's pretty convincing. If it, if it just said it once in the Bible, it would be convincing but to say that many times, I'm, I teach the same thing, same doctrine in every church and don't let anybody teach any other doctrine than that. And if this didn't do anything else for us, it ought to make us understand that we ought to want to know what sound doctrine is. And having found that truth or walking in those different doctrines or, or the faith that's once delivered to the saint, then it's, it's not up for debate. You, you know, if this is what God says, we ought to stick with it. You know, things that are different cannot be the same. Does that make sense? And so if if I'm wrong about something and somebody else is right about it, then may God open my eyes to show me the truth so I can believe not what they believe, but both of us believe what God believes. That's what God wants. And just a couple of other uh, similar examples go to the book of Romans and here we find this, this this passage in the next one Romans chapter 16. Here we find how strong uh, Paul felt about dealing with false doctrine and that's what he was doing with in, in, in Timothy he told Timothy you stay there and tell them not to teach any other doctrine we'll get back to that in a minute but Romans chapter 16 and verse uh, 17. Now beseech your brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. In other words, identify them. If they're teaching contrary to the doctrine you've learned and causing division, mark them and avoid them. Verse 18, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. But their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay, let's go to one more. Go to Galatians chapter 1. First and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Galatians chapter 1. And verse 6. And most of us uh, probably are familiar with part of the problem, the Galatians. Churches of Galatia were having was these, we call them Judaizers. People were coming behind Paul and teaching that um, circumcision and the works of the law are required also for salvation. It's not just by faith alone. And that's in a whole other gospel, Paul says, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. I marvel, he says, that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ you, you've, moved, you've been removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but, it, but there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. It's, not, it's another Christ. It's not the same gospel. It's a, it's, a, it's a perversion of the gospel. And then he says in verse 8, For though we, Paul includes himself, for though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I again. So say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you've received, let him be accursed. So Paul says here: even if I preach something contrary to the truth, then let me be accursed. It wasn't just Paul's opinion. Paul it wasn't just speaking lightly. He said, I don't care who it is. If it's an angel that preaches something contrary to what you've learned, or if I do, if I lose my mind and I start teaching something contrary to the truth, then he says, let me be accursed. So it wasn't about Paul having his say, it was about God's truth, and all this was about God's truth. And I think it's really important, especially when we think about this theme of standing, where are we supposed to stand? We're to stand where God stands. We're to stand for the truth (laughs) That God stands for. Now, again, I mentioned this in, as we began tonight. I mean, who is Paul? That's a, that's a very dogmatic stand, isn't it? To say to a church, no one is allowed to teach anything. He said this is the church at Ephesus. That's a good church. Nobody's allowed to teach anything contrary to the doctrine that I have taught them. Who gives him that right? He was an apostle of the Lord. Like I said, he's, he wasn't perfect. He, he acknowledged his own weaknesses. But the Lord used him. He gave us most of our New Testament. Look in chapter uh, Galatians there. In um, let's see, I'm looking for a verse, and I'm not seeing it. And it, where it says basically that the Lord committed this this trust to him, he he was the Lord gave him this. This assignment, it came from the Lord. So, what does that mean then? As it relates to churches. You know, I've, I'm sure you've run into this with a family member or friends. I ran into it this week. Uh, and I've run into it numbers of times where people say, could you recommend a good church in this area? Had someone the last few days. You know, what, what do you know about this church? It's in another state. It's not near here. Um and what would you say about it? Well, what do you do? What do you say? I've not been to that church. I don't know the pastor. What do you say? Well, to me, uh, you have to find out where they stand on the Scripture. And not just the Scripture as a whole, but where do they, they stand on the doctrines of the Scripture? And that doesn't mean all churches are identical. Every church is not the same, right? Different people, different personalities maybe some people we meet on Wednesday night some people may meet on Thursday night but all of us ought to meet on Sunday you know why? because he said upon the first day of the week the Bible strictly says that that's not even up for debate but we meet other times as well some people may use technology some people may not that's not a doctrinal issue some people may have a bus ministry some people may not have a bus ministry and you know what? Neither one are more wrong or right than the other. Everybody ought to do what God leads them to do. Some people may celebrate Christmas and others may not. Some people, you know, some churches may have the Lord's Supper. I just had a pastor ask me about this within the last week or two. What night do you, do you does your church have the Lord's Supper when you have it? Because a lot of churches have it on an off night, not on Sunday or Wednesday. They have it on a Tuesday night, for instance. And I said, "Well, we generally have it on Wednesday night or Sunday night," and uh, told him the reasons why. But some, but, but that you may—they're going to be. My point is, there's going to be differences. Some churches may have a Christian school, and some people, some churches may be smarter than that. No, I'm, maybe, <laughs> maybe different than that. The point is, all churches are not the same. If I, if you were to move to another place, another somehow you had to move for some. Valid reason and you had to find a church, you know, that's not going to look the same, may not use the same hymnal, may not have, you know what I'm saying, may not have, the but the doctrine has got to be the same. And, and we're not just, you say, well, you're being too hard. No, this is, God said that, not me. God said that. There. That's one of the reasons why when I, if someone says, I just really believe I'm going to have to move for whatever reason. And I think sometimes people move for the wrong reason, but that's neither here nor there for right now. But I'd say the most important thing is what kind of church is there? You're going to move your family to a place and there may not be a sound church. So Paul is letting, the, the Bible is letting us know something very simple. I said this right, but it is very simple. But to me, it's so convincing. And that is every church should be of sound doctrine. Not based on their college they went to. Not based on, you know, based on the word of God. Uh, Let's go back to 1 Timothy where we began. Just notice some of the things that are found in this chapter. In in, uh, chapter 1, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. And just notice um, a couple of words, a few words in verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia... That thou mightest charge. Now I have that word underlined in my Bible. Charge. What does that mean? And that does, That's not talking about when you pull out that plat, your credit card. <laughs> what does it mean that, that thou mightest charge? The word means to command, to order. I want you, I'm, I'm leaving you at Ephesus, Timothy, and I want you to charge them. In other words, I want you to be strong about this and don't waver on it. And then notice the word some, that thou mightest charge some. It wasn't everybody that was off doctrinally, but he was concerned about some that were. So charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And by the way, notice the word teach, that they may teach, that they teach. His biggest concern was not that someone else might have a contrary doctrine? I'm, he's concerned about that, but his biggest concern was that they would teach something wrong. I don't want anybody in that church teaching things other than what they've been taught. He was concerned about the doc, i would call it the doctrinal integrity of the church at Ephesus. And I said earlier, this is a narrow view but it's a biblical view. It's God's view. And one of the questions to me that it begs is, what doctrine is essential and what doctrine is non-essential? I mean, what doctrine, what Bible teaching is essential and what Bible teaching is non-essential? and just, just think with me tonight. I'm just trying to give you a lesson that I think could shape our view of teaching and preaching and our own opinion about truth. You know, there's a common... This phrase, I think, was actually introduced by uh, new evangelicals many years ago. But it's a common phrase in modern evangelicalism. And just think about this. There's three three phrases that I'm going to mention in this statement in essentials unity if you're writing notes you could write that down in essentials the things that are essential this is i'm not saying i agree with this i'm saying this is a commonly held opinion in essentials unity in non-essentials liberty where things are essential we agree we're in unity Where things are non-essential, we have liberty. In all things, charity. No matter what, we act in love. Now, on the surface, that sounds pretty good. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. We have liberty if it's non-essential. But my question is, what Bible doctrine is non-essential? Right? Right? I mean, non essentials are things that aren't doctrine. Non essentials would be if we're going to use uh. Condescent lights or LED lights, that's non essential. But they're but what things are taught in the Bible are not non essential, right? How, how do you determine what is non essential? Um I was, had a visit yesterday uh, with a pastor friend, and he was asking me some questions and just talking about um, life as a pastor and all different things. And, and um, he, he, mentioned the, he mentioned the fact that, you know, if a person was willing to just not be so dogmatic about things that are dogmatic in the Bible, then it would go, their ministry might grow more or whatever. You know what I'm saying? that's That was his, his sentiment, his take on it. And there are things, I guarantee you there are things, and I'm not just talking about with, I've, even with pastors. I've had pastors take issue with me over the strong position we take on the doctrine of the church, for instance. People question me about it. Why do you believe this, et cetera. And, but I'll tell if the Bible teaches it, we ought to teach it. The, that's what's called the whole counsel of God. Whatever the Bible says. You know, what a person believes about baptism. That's essential. That's not a non-essential. I mean, we have the Bible to guide us. So here, if I'm looking at this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 1. One thing I believe we can be assured of. Timothy had his doctrine straight, right? Because Paul said to Timothy, I want you to stay there. And don't let them teach any other doctrine. You know how how Paul could say that? Because Timothy had his doctrine right. He was grounded enough that he wouldn't be changing because there were people in the church that were prone to change. Paul was concerned about them. If you look there where we just read in 1 Timothy chapter 1 um, look a little further into the chapter where we did not get to look in verse 18 First 1 Timothy 1:18 1, This charge I commit unto thee this charge I commit unto thee son Timothy according to the prophecies that went before on thee that thou mightest war a good warfare Now he wasn't in the military he didn't just join the service he was in a spiritual battle <laughs> And, you know, he's, he's, and he's telling him, stay in there at Ephesus. He says, war a good warfare. Look in verse 19. The sentence continues into verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Some people have put away their faith. They've shipwrecked their life. Of whom is, and he names, here Paul names them, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander. I know some people say, well, you shouldn't name names. Well, Paul named names. <laughs> of whom is Hymenius and Alexander? He'd have put them on Facebook for sure. You know, cancel culture. Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander? Notice this. This is how serious he was about this turning away from the faith, whom I've delivered unto Satan, that they may not they may learn not to blaspheme. So Paul is telling Timothy to hold the line. Uh, first, same, same book, First Timothy, go to chapter 4, First Timothy chapter 4, and verse 6. Now, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4, we have this, I just think, such a helpful, um, passage about last days people falling away from the truth giving heed to seducing spirits and all that sort of thing so he says all that then look in verse 6 if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things now for Paul he wasn't asking Timothy to teach the people something new he said I just want you to remind them of things they already know If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. I like that word attained. In other words, I'm talking about Timothy. Timothy had his doctrine straight. To attain means to, to examine fully. And a good, whereunto thou hast attained, in verse 6, and then look in verse 7, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. We're going to talk about those fables in a moment. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So let's go back to the first chapter of 1 Timothy. And let's just look at a little bit of, of what followed that passage we've given so much attention to. He says in verse 3 that they teach no other doctrine. And then, beginning, and then verse 4, let's just look at a few of these verses. Verse 4 says, neither give heed to fables. Now fable is just like what you'd think of. It's like a, it's a tale. It's a fictitious story. So tell them to teach no other doctrine and don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. And that, that second part of that verse to me is, is really helpful because he says, don't let them teach any other doctrine and don't let them give heed to these stories, but look at the middle of verse 4, which minister questions. And you know, that's what, some, sometimes people, even Christian people or people who are into the Bible just seem like they thrive on just always keeping things uncertain. But that's not what the purpose of the Bible is. The purpose of Bible teaching is not ministering questions. It's not creating questions. It's giving answers. And then he says there, rather than godly edifying which is in the faith. So do you know what Bible doctrine should do, sound doctrine should do? It should edify. It should build up you know and i don't think anybody in this audience would would feel this way but just just teaching something like i'm teaching tonight some people would be offended by that that's too dogmatic i mean you can't be that dog- i'm not being anything i'm just telling you what the bible says the bible is the one that says make sure you maintain doctrinal integrity whatever you do no, we're not into fairy. We're not into people's stories and fables and what ifs and all these things. No, the Bible can be understood. It builds up. It edifies. It makes us spiritual. That's what it says in verse, verse four. Rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, godly. The Bible. The Bible read, studied, applied, believed, enjoyed makes us stronger spiritually. And by the way, if that's true, and it is true, because the Bible says it's true, then the more we get, the healthier we're going to be. Not physically healthy, but spiritually healthy. You can't overdose on the Bible. It's not going to hurt you, right? And I'm on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, to me, is a is a a wonderful time because there's a time just to open up the Bible and study the Bible what does the Bible say and it, be, it feeds us it strengthens us it gives us assurance and that's the way it ought to be but the, he's revealing here to Timothy some dangerous tendencies and that is giving heed to these stories and fables and, and very fictitious beliefs look in verse 5 this, I preached on this many many years ago Verse 5. Now, the end of the commandment. Now, he's talking about doctrine. That's, the, that's truth. What should be the end result of truth? The end of the commandment is charity. It's agape. Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith unfeigned, without hypocrisy, faith unfeigned unfained that's the that's the end of the commandment it it builds us up spiritually it cleanses our conscience it purifies our heart but look in verse 6 from which talking about the commandment of God the doctrines of the faith from which some having swerved they've turned away from it they're not going in the right direction from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling there's a word I bet you had not used all day jangling what does jangling mean it means babble it means just empty chatter empty talk maybe, maybe you think this is what this is just empty chatter or maybe you're thinking I've heard, I've heard somebody on the radio that's just like vain jangling that's exactly just say that to them that's vain jangling It's empty talk. It's babble. And then look what it says in verse 7. This sentence, by the way, continues. The sentence begins in verse 5, the end of the commandment, verse 6, vain jangling, verse 7. So it's talking about the same subject. These people who've turned aside, desire, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Now keep in mind what Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody teach any other thing. And now he says these people who've swerved away from the truth, they want to be teachers. They want to be teachers of the law, but they don't even understand it. You know, there's something worse than someone not being a teacher. And I think we ought to want to be teachers. We're called to. You know, we're to teach other people. Uh, it's part of discipleship, right? But there's one thing worse than being, not being a teacher, and that's teaching something that's not right. And so he said, these people want to be teachers, in verse 7, but they don't understand what they say, nor wherever they affirm. They don't understand what they're, what they're doing. And apparently they were using the law unlawfully, verse 8. But we know that the law is good. Talking about the Old Testament, the commands of God, we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. And believe it or not, the law can be used unlawfully. For instance, a part of the problem, and we don't know that it was a problem here in in Ephesus, but it was a problem in Galatia, we know, where, where these Jewish people that were converted, hopefully converted, of faith, but they were pressing on people the need to keep the law in order to be saved. They're using the law, but would you not agree they're using it unlawfully because they require the Jewish rite, the ceremony of, of circumcision, for instance, it identified the Jewish people, but that is not a part of the Christian faith. So he says, using the law has its purpose in verse. Eight, if a man uses it lawfully, verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. He lists all these characteristics and traits and sins and failures of the lawless and disobedience, the unholy, profane, murderers, uh, liars, etc. And he mentions all of these things. I mean, the Old Testament is so valuable. I read in the Old Testament every day of my life. Have for many, many years. I love the Old Testament. I love the history of the Old Testament. The history of the creation of man, the history of the call of Abraham, the history of the journeys of the children of Israel and the wandering in the wilderness, their captivity, and spend the time they spent in, in Babylon as well as the time they were in. And four hundred years in Egypt, and how God delivered them, and all the promises of the Messiah, and who, where He's going to be born, and what He's going to be like, and about the future kingdom, the prophecies concerning the millennial reign—all this is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament has a great purpose; it's valuable, has principles for life. But it's—but the primary purpose of the law was to show people their sin. Right? That's what the Ten Commandments was about. It shows you how you're supposed to live, but in seeing how you're supposed to live, we all see how we've broken God's law. Anything that's contrary to sound doctrine, he talks about all these different sins. So the per- by the way, you know, some of us probably know people. I know I know people who profess faith in Christ, who've been a part of a good church, but who now believe that a part of our responsibility as Christians is to keep the Old Testament festivals, Passover. We're to hold on to those things as New Testament believers. Paul talked completely opposite of that. Right? They're using the law, but they're not using it lawfully, and so Paul is warning Timothy of some of the traits or characteristics that were present. So the law, the law has its purpose; the Old Testament has its purpose, but they were misusing the law. Listen, before we teach, we need to make sure we understand doctrine. Amen. And one of the, one of the things that you know we have encouraged people over the years is uh, you know. If, to teach, to teach somebody in a small group setting. Teach them. Um, we have some lessons about discipleship and baptism and basic things. And you know what? You, you, can teach something with, you can teach people what you know, right? But I'd be hard pressed. If you were to throw me into a room and ask me to teach Greek or something like that, I'd be saying, forget that. I don't know it. How can I teach something I don't know? So Paul is just saying these, these people want to teach, but they haven't yet learned So what does this say to all of us? And we're just going to summarize and wrap this up. Number one, we need to take doctrine seriously. All of us. We need to take it seriously. You know, that very first church, the church that Jesus established, on the day of Pentecost, thousands of people were saved. And it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and 42, that they held close to the apostles' doctrine. That's the, one of the first things it said about them. They, they, they were strict adherence, adherence to the, to the gospel, to the word of God, to what Paul and the others, or in that case Peter and the others, were teaching them. I mean, why should think about this? It's just a rhetorical question, but Why should Paul take doctrinal integrity uh, as being more important than I should? Do you think he should? No. We ought to all take it seriously. Every one of us. And you may be sitting here and you're a mom and you've got children and you're thinking, well, that stuff doesn't really matter to me. Sure it does. You're a mother. You have children you're influencing. You need to know why you believe what you believe. You need to be able to communicate that to your children. Help your children to know doctrinal integrity. Matt, we ought to take doctrine serious. And how do we do that? We do that by studying. Studying the Bible. That's what we're doing tonight. And I know that sometimes we come to church just to be, you know, just to be inspired maybe or just to be helped. Or maybe hoping I'll hear something I've never heard before. Chances are it's not going to happen around here. But we ought to be learn. We ought to say, I'm going to learn. I mean... No one ever, what I just explained to you tonight, no one ever in my life taught me what I just taught you about the importance of Paul's testimony. Time after time after time after time after time that we teach the same thing in every church. Every church ought to have the same doctrine. And I never heard that. You know where I got it? By studying the Bible. And you, we don't all, we, sometimes we learn from other people. But we ought to all be studying the Bible. That's that great passage in 2 in Timothy. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And he's writing to Timothy, a, a pastor. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Here's the phrase I want to get to. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a great phrase. Rightly dividing. And the word rightly dividing, if you were to study up those words, up and what those defines the definitions of those words, what does it mean rightly dividing? It means to make a precise cut, like with an exacto knife. Rightly dividing the word of truth. What does the Bible say? And it's a great joy, you know, to study the Bible. And I don't think we ought to be prideful or haughty about things that we've learned, things God has shown us. I don't think we should. We ought to always be learning. But we don't want to be like those that Timothy wrote about, Paul wrote to Timothy about ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We want the truth. We want to study to learn the truth. And I appreciate our church folks who, um, I'll use the word of 2 Timothy chapter 4, endure sound doctrine. You know, Paul wrote about those who are no longer able to endure sound doctrine. They don't want the truth, you know. They don't want sound doctrine. It, they just want to be, oh, whatever. But, but, uh, as God's people, and people who are church people, this ought to be our desire. Lord, show us the truth, and help us to be help us to stand for the truth. And you know, I've I've used this uh, personal testimony many times. I thought about it today as I was meditating on this passage. That um, you know, I went to church. These this. When I was these guys age I went to church every service every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday I never prayed about it I never asked mama if we were going because I always knew we were going because mama made that decision for me but I heard a lot of sermons but when I got saved I was 21 and by the way I went to a good church, churches, Baptist churches, they had the truth, I was glad for that and uh, I knew the phrase, after I got saved at 21, I remembered the phrase, once saved, always saved. That's not, that's not a Bible phrase, but it's a Bible doctrine. It's talking about eternal security. I remember that from being in church. Once you're saved, you're always saved. I remember that. But here's the point I'll get to. I didn't just keep believing that because Mama believed it. I got into the Bible, studied the Bible. What does the Bible say? And now I believe what Mama believed but not just because Mama believed it. I believe it because what the Bible teaches, and that that ought to be our desire. And be thankful for the truth, and always be willing to say, you know, I, you know, I want to learn this, and I want to learn it the right way. Amen. Amen. Let's bow for prayer tonight. Tonight, I want to challenge you as we come to the end of this service. I want to challenge you to take doctrine seriously. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, man or woman, teenager, older adult, child, whoever you are. Let's take Bible study seriously. Take doctrine seriously. And if you have a question about something, then say, Lord, show me this. I want to see this. Or ask me or ask... Or, or just ask for some material, whatever. Let's just say, Lord, I want to know the truth. Let's don't be let's don't be careless about our Bible study.